Hello and welcome to episode 314 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans' weekly podcast of many topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and this is RPG Villains. That's right, we are bringing back our RPG Villains format for one last time in 2021. And uh, before we get to the subject, let's get to the panel, starting with Zach Wilkerson. Hello. And Wes Iliff. Hey, everybody. Now, Wes, Zach, if there's one video game that is is associated with RPG fan in general and RPG fan podcasts in particular the past, say, I don't know, seven years, it's probably Final Fantasy XIV. There are FF14 people on podcasts all the time. We've had multi-stage reviews of FF14 expansions going back several years. Uh, FF14 in some form or another has been our game of the year twice in the past uh, uh, eight years, I think. And so uh, our RPG fan and FF14 are somewhat intertwined. And on Retro Encounter this year, we've been uh, uh, falling victim to that stereotype with four episodes on Final Fantasy XIV uh, spread throughout the winter and spring months. I, I think it was sort of uh, like, oh, February through May. We had uh, we had four FF14 episodes. And Zach, you joined me for one of those. I did. I was on the Heavensward one. And Wes, uh, you were not on one of those episodes with me, but you're making up for it today. Yeah, I needed to jump in at some point, right? <laughs> yeah, because uh, there's a lot of FF14 players, both active and lapsed in uh, in RPG fan staff. And we're going to cap that uh, FF14 year off uh, a few weeks before Endwalker comes out with one last retro encounter episode on the topic. This time talking about Emmett Selk, who is essentially the villain of Shadowbringers, the uh, third FF14 expansion, but his reach and influence goes back much further than that. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. First of all, uh, let's just talk about our our personal backgrounds with FF14. Uh, Zach, what's your FF14 journey been like? So um, I, as of maybe two, uh, a little over two years ago, um, had never played 14. And <laughs> uh, I've played a lot of 14 since then. Um, I am current. I've got like three different jobs basically totally geared out with endgame gear now, which means that I play this game far too much. Um, like I'm like on like the precipice of mentor status now. <laughs> I, I play this game too much. I am the only person on staff who has played any of Endwalker at this point as well, um, because I was at the preview event for Endwalker um, and got to play around a little bit with those things. And so, yeah, I mean, like I play 14 pretty much every day. Um, and I love final fantasy 14 um so I, I i play too much of it um it's a problem but it does maybe make me qualified to talk a little bit about the game itself well of course enthusiasm is more important than knowledge when it comes to talking about games on a podcast but uh it looks like that you definitely have both of those in spades for <laughs> ff14 i would uh, <laughs> uh what wes um what's your ff14 journey been like and and we we didn't hear about uh, this from you in a previous episode, unlike Zach or, and I. <laughs> well, I um I jumped in right with a Realm Reborn right around launch of it. Um, I'd avoided the initial launch after all the reviews came out and after not being a huge fan of FF11. Um, but as soon as a Realm Reborn came out and people started talking about it as if it were another like single player story driven Final Fantasy, I couldn't uh, help myself. And as soon as I jumped in, I got pretty instantly hooked. Because uh, this was the first MMO I ever played on a console, and it actually holds up really well on a console with a controller, mm -hmm. uh, which helps with kind of my play style. So um, this is the longest I've ever stuck with an MMO. I've played ever since, played every expansion on on release. Um, I'm one of those people who who kind of 
lapses and comes back, you know, as soon as I hit the end of content, I'll take a little bit of time off, go play something else before I let FF14 take over my life again. Um, <laughs> but I always know it will. It'll always come back around. Uh, yeah, I, I'm in a similar boat to you, Wes. I uh, started playing FF14 in 2016 when they were in the middle of a, of a post-game content for Heaven's Word. I played through all of Realm Reborn, but then got really burned out because I played I, I played just hundreds of hours in a few months. Um, and then I took a break. Uh, and in the lead up to Shadowbringers, so like mi- uh, middle of 2019, I played through all of Heaven's Word and Stormblood and then the beginning of Shadowbringers, took a shorter break. And then in 2020, during the pandemic, I got current up through the uh, 5.2 patches and uh, and then took another break in which I'm still in right now. I uh, uh, I-, I adore FF14. Those three giant binges of it have uh, were extremely memorable for me. And I consider it one of the sort of signature video games uh of the 2010s at the very least it's a it's it's an incredible uh product and community and story that is uh that is well worth if uh playing if you know you can invest the time because in terms of gameplay and story the quality is 100 there uh, and the only reason i haven't gotten back into it since is because i've just been busy with podcasts and other rpgs um i i would be playing endwalker in a few weeks if it wasn't for me being neck deep in Shin Megami Tensei 5 and Tales of Arise right now. Uh, but I know I will come back to FF14. It'll probably be a little bit after Endwalker is uh, is is no longer young, but uh, because that game is so good and I've had so much so many good times with it, I know I shall revisit it. But for, uh, instead of we're not here to talk about Endwalker, although I would not count out an Endwalker episode sometime in the next 18 months. <laughs> But uh, we're here to revisit Shadowbringers and talk about Emmett Selk. Now, please correct me if I get, if I miss any details or elaborate if I if I go too light on details. Uh, but let's go into who Emmett Selk is, and uh, which is going to be a lot of the larger story of FF14, Shadowbringers in particular. So this is your spoiler warning. If you don't want to, uh, if you, excuse me, if you want to avoid spoilers on Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers and who the Asians are and what they are. Uh, now is the time to stop listening and skip ahead, let's say seven or eight minutes. <laughs> All right. It, it, the 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 basic the basics of the story of Shadowbringers is that uh, the player character, the Warrior of Light, is transported to another world called the First, and uh, the, your home world is referred to as the Source because centuries and centuries, millennia ago, um, there was a single uh, unifying world of FF14, but because of a giant cataclysm. Yeah, the goddess Hydaelyn and the dark god Zodiac had a sort of cataclysm that fragmented the world into 14 pieces, the source and then 13 parallel worlds called shards. And the worlds uh, developed separately after this cataclysm. So the, the worlds aren't exact carbon copies. They used to be exact carbon copies of each other, but because they developed differently and events, different events happened in the different worlds, they sort of each became their own separate world. And... Uh, uh, there's a group of worshippers of Zodiac called Asians who are trying to reunify the world back into the one true world where their civilization flourished. And uh, in doing so, they're trying to create calamities or basically world-spanning disasters that uh, on each shard that basically wipes out that entire dimension. And a few of the shards as, at the events of FF14 have already been wiped out, including the 13th shard. Mm-hmm. And you... um. Uh, you you meet some survivors of the thirteenth shard in uh, a few of the uh, a few a few of the post game events in Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, like the uh, the the world of darkness raids 
and the uh, the Warring Triad trials have characters from those uh, uh, from the Thirteenth uh, involved. But uh, so the Asians are trying to wipe out these worlds by orchestrating events called calamities, and the uh, the events of um, old Final Fantasy thirteen, excuse me, old Final Fantasy fourteen, with Bahamut, uh, with, the, with the moon almost crashing into the planet and Bahamut attacking, was an attempt at a new calamity by the Asians. Mm-hmm. And they're at, in the post game after Stormblood, their attempt there, you see the beginnings of a new calamity coming with a plague called Black Rose, which is a, a bio weapon that could threat that could threaten to wipe out all the life on the planet, which would cut, which would be enough of a calamity to wipe out the source and have the Asians one step closer to having all of the shards reunited again. But uh, th- this is mostly thwarted through some time travel shenanigans that are part of the core of Shadowbringers. We don't need to get into all of that, but what is important is Emmett Selk is one of the Asians who is sort of a, one of the main leaders and manipulators of these calamities. Uh, decades before the start of the game, um, uh, Emmett Selk was the emperor of the Garlean Empire. He was one of its co-founders, in fact. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he did this on the source in hopes of using the might of a powerful military nation to eventually cause a calamity. And they first attempted that with uh, with with the Garleans summoning Bahamut, and second attempted that with the Garleans creating the the uh, the Black Rose Plague. So he th- this is a an immortal, brilliant being who has been empire building for perhaps a little, a century or a little less than a century in the lead up to, uh, to Shadowbringers. But then, uh, the, the warrior of light and, uh, and his friends are, uh, they discover one of the other shard worlds is on the verge of collapse, um, because of Asian influence by, uh, because of the element of light being so far out of balance that a flood of light threatens to, to consume the entire world. This, and this shard is the, called the first. So most of Shadowbringers takes place on the first where the Warrior of Light and the few other uh, Scions of the Seventh Dawn have been transported and they're trying to curtail the Flood of Light and, um, and, in, and in doing so interact with Emmett Selk, who again is one of the orchestrators of all of these calamities. So that, that's not Emmett Selk's full story. We will get into that. But uh, uh, Zach and Wes, I want to hear your what your impressions are of the Shadowbringers storyline and of Emmett Selk in in particular. Uh, starting with you, Wes, what are your thoughts on Emmett Selk? I absolutely love Shadowbringers, which should probably be no surprise to anyone who uh, has played Shadowbringers. Um, it really pulls together a lot of storylines that have been dangling, and this is one of the things that FF14 really excels at, is drip-feeding little hints about what's coming without you realizing it throughout the course of like the entire history of the game. Uh, and Emmett Selk's a big one, um, as, as kind of the the forefront of the Garlean Empire, one of the most important Asians around, but um, you don't know much about him um, coming in. You just get these little kind of drip-fed bits before Shadowbringers finally comes. Um, and once it does, you're you're so upended because this character is um, not like the mustache twirling evil that you would expect, given all of the terrible, terrible things they're doing. But you know, they're, they're he's affable, he's um, knowledgeable. He, he his motivations have some degree of uh, of logic and emotion to them, um, which is well beyond what I was what I was expecting. I was just expecting, okay, we're going to get a you know crazy Kafka coming in, um, which can be fun in its own way. Um, but no, uh, Emmett Selk is thoughtful, deliberate, and occasionally likable, which feels uncomfortable. Yeah, he, he's Emmett Selk is eccentric, 
and uh, is sometimes helpful to the players. And even like, uh, it seems like that he's really excited to teach things to you about what's going on in the world. Yeah, he his his whole problem is just thinking that um, the people that exist now are kind of unworthy or subhuman, and um, there, there's almost hope in him that he can <laughs> he can raise them up somehow, uh, even though he he seems to keep losing that every time he does. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I don't know exactly who coined this phrase, but uh, to paraphrase a popular idea about villains, um, th- the best villains uh, truly believe they're the heroes of their own story. Like they, like Emmett Selk, maybe more than any video game villain I've ever encountered, like believes in his cause and that he is in the right. And it, and part of his goal is to convince people opposing him that no, no, it, it's fine. You're not. I'm not bad. You're not bad. You're just misguided. Let's all work together for the for the true greater good here, which is which is uniting the different worlds into the true world. Because Emmett Selk has been alive for centuries, perhaps millennia, and views the world around him as this incomplete, uh, like uh, shattered, like like the incomplete shattered pieces of the world that he uh, loved and thrived in centuries earlier. Um, Zach, what are your overall thoughts on Emmett, Emmett Selk before yeah. we get into categories? I mean, I think I agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, and I think that the interesting thing about Elidibus is like there are only three what's called unsundered Asians, which means like they're complete um, from their original form as ancients um, and their souls are complete. And the other two are La Habrea and um, Elidibus. And I think that looking at Emmett Selk in contrast to La Habrea, who has sort of become a, a zealot of sorts um, and uh, commits acts of evil, and Elidibus, who has basically got, been driven insane by the fact that he is like a piece of Zodiac in a way, um, just seeing like the reasonability of Emmett Selk. And yeah, I think it's important to note that like he basically says like, look, like you guys are all just like fragments and you guys, you guys aren't really human. And I think that you can see that for a lot of reasons. I mean, like you got to consider that Emmett Selk has had children, has buried children, has been around for millennia and has seen the problems with um, like sort of humanity in general. Um, And I think that as we're, watching it like we can see those things but the thing that he doesn't really indicate as well while he's talking about it is like he was the progenitor of a lot of those problems he's the one who creates a lot of this conflict and so he blames humans for being um weak but he's the one who created civilizations he's been the one who created garlemald um in its current form at least um and i think that that's what makes him sort of kind of evil is that he doesn't recognize his own hand in making humans as weak as they are. Um, so I think he's, he's fascinating, um, but he lacks self-awareness in a way that I imagine an immortal might uh, when they're just watching things from afar. Oh yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, La Habrea, Elidibus and Emmett Selk are all in the same team, but have very different personalities and approaches. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, like uh, uh, La, La Habrea is close to that sort of, outwardly evil mustache twirling kind of villain that mm-hmm. you you might expect out of a lesser game and elidibus is 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 very calm and collected especially compared to la habrea but is completely out of touch and crazy and um and is and and like almost nihilistic in his in his pursuit of reunifying the worlds and emmett silk he, he i don't think he hates hum he hates humanity or or the civilized races he just views 
all of them as incomplete beings compared to the world compared to himself and the world that he knew and he just doesn't understand why they are aren't all trying to reunify the world the same way he is and uh and and the atrocities he commits and the, again the worlds he's erasing he, he, he like he, he's like these people shouldn't care about that their worlds are being destroyed they should be glad that i'm combining everything and making it whole again in a, in a way that he has completely lost touch with uh with, with his own humanity but and is really only has the feelings and emotions and memories of, of of when he of when everyone was whole and together and it just makes him very sad that's also i think what makes him relatable too i mean like he his he's so clearly driven by his grief um over what happened to his race um and his people and i think that um you know like his relationship with the warrior of light uh, becomes really fascinating because of that, because in a lot of ways you discover that the warrior of light is a piece and a part of a close friend of Emmett Selk. And Emmett Selk actually is responsible in a lot of ways for keeping that spirit of Asm alive in what becomes the warrior of light. And so I think that the way that Emmett Selk is driven by emotion as opposed to um, necessarily like um, something that like he's not driven by principles so much as he's driven by people. Um, and I think that is what makes him relatable and a compelling villain. If, if it wasn't clear to to, uh, to listeners that are maybe uh, listening to this anyway without full knowledge of what's going on, um, Emmett Selk's best friend or maybe even romantic partner in the old unified world uh, became fractured in the in the in, in the sundering of worlds, and their soul lives on uh, through the Warrior of Light and and pro- and the Warrior of Light's counterparts in the other worlds, including mm-hmm. Ardbert on the first. So like like when. Uh, when Ardbert's soul joins with the Warrior of Light's soul uh, near the end of Shadowbringers, they become one step closer to being that complete being that uh, that Emmett Selk dearly misses, and that just again just makes Emmett Selk just sadder and more upset. <laughs> it also brings up how this game, you know, with Emmett Selk does something fascinating that not many other games do. Something like you know Lost Odyssey, the idea of this character being so old and having seen so much. Um, that they're, you know, one, their grief is transformative and two, that, you know, they can't see the world in the same way that, you know, a normal, you know, a a, a mortal could. Um, So all of these things, you know, these, these cataclysmic events that Emmett Selk is, is kicking off. um, He can't even see them as, as villainous or evil anymore. Just through the sheer enormity of time, a single life doesn't mean much, but when he starts looking at Asian lives, um, those feel so much more impactful to him. So, yeah, that idea that he is emotionally driven, that he cares about people, just only the people that he considers truly people, really drives home that, you know, he's he's an agent of grief as much as anything else. 100% true. But uh, th- that's enough of a primer. Let's go into the meat of the episode and go to our villain-specific questions for Emmett Selk. So category number one, intimidation factor. Is Emmett Selk scary or intimidating? Is he an effective villain? And I am going to say for this, uh, yes and no. I I don't think of Emmett Selk as scary because he is so deliberately sort of off and weird when he introduces himself to you that you're not even sure if he's all the way a villain, and but he's definitely not all the way an ally. Like the Asians as a group are definitely scary because of all of the heinous stuff they pull off throughout uh, three and a half expansions of Final Fantasy fourteen, but Emmett Selk himself he, he doesn't give a scary impression, but 
when you sort of get a better idea of who he is, uh, I, I, I think he's definitely effective. But I don't, th- I don't think of him as a as a scary or intimidating villain in the way that I don't know um, that even that even Xenos is in, in Stormblood. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think that you know th- there is one time where I think a lit- uh, or when I think um, Emmett Selk is frightening, and it's when he becomes his true form, when he becomes Hades. Um, and I think like that that is such a, an intimidating and formidable creature um, that that is frightening. And I think that, you know, sort of the way that he sits back and the way that he like knows things and he's just kind of always there and popping up at different times. Um, I wouldn't describe it as intimidating so much as like, you know, this is going to come to something, I guess. So like I, I, I certainly had some fear about what he would do. Um, and, and I you know, knew enough about Shadowbringers before I started playing it that I knew ultimately that we would have to face off with him. Um, but I, I wouldn't say that intimidation is the way that I would describe it so much. It's just like a this overarching, like, I don't know, it's like a bomb under the table that you're waiting for it to go off um, in like a Hitchcock movie or something. Um, that's kind of the way that I felt about Evan Selk throughout the course of Shadowbringers. Yeah, the, the old Hitchcock thing is... Uh, there's nothing interesting about a bridge game, but if a bridge game where the viewers know there's a bomb under the table is suspense. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's kind of how I feel about Ibit Selk. It's Ibit Selk is my favorite kind of scary, which is not physically intimidating. You don't like recoil when you see him on screen. Um, but you occasionally see these glimpses of exactly the lengths this person is willing to go through. Uh, and the whole time they still have a smile on their face. They're still amiable. Um, it, it it's that kind of terrifying where you know that they're going to do something terrible and you're never going to know that they've done it because they're never going to show it, never going to bat an eyelash um, at the fact that they just, you know, consigned an entire world to, 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 to die. Um, that's, that's the right kind of scary for me, but yeah, it's not like an active intimidation. It's not like, um, like Xenos who this is a physical presence on the board anytime they show up. Um, but I like the mental games. And Emmett Selk, uh, his his intimidation factor is definitely from manipulation and mind games, and not from being powerful or or grotesque. That is that is definitely true. Even though I think at least for part of the time you interact with him, he is an Asian soul inhabiting the corpse of a uh, of a deceased Garlean emperor. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. But those Garleans and souls inhabiting uh, bodies that have gotten a little weird in recent years. Um, but this is this is not a Xenos episode. This is a Emmett Selk episode. <laughs> That's good. So, so let's move on. Let's move on. Right. I, I I would have a lot less fun talking about that, that particular F14 villain. Um, but let's move on to the next category. Uh, worst behavior. What is the most awful thing that Emmett Selk does in Final Fantasy XIV? And there are a lot of candidates for this. I'm going to go over a couple of them. And uh, and please add to this list or uh, come at me with uh, with some of your own ideas after I list a couple of these. Uh, uh, first of all, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, in general the Garlean Empire, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because by uh, by directing civilization hundreds of years ago with the Garlean Empire, especially by granting them technology a few you know uh, decades ahead of their time, um, it, like he orchestrated. Uh, a war taking over the entire world of the source, including uh, uh, basically a nuclear attack in the form of Bahamut and uh, biological warfare in the form of Black Rose. So all the Garlean Empire stuff. I'm also going to throw out there the Flood of Light um, in in this in uh, the first. I, although he was not the only Asian doing it, 
uh, it was one of the culprits behind light taking over all of the first and uh, the, um, the the monsters of the flood doing all kinds of uh, of, of vile acts over the course of it. Like it, it, the very first few moments of Shadowbringers, where you see uh, the, the the monsters of light. Oh, oh shoot, what are they called again? Uh, uh, not, light wardens. Uh, yeah. No, the light wardens are their leaders. I'm, I'm talking about like void scent, but for light. Uh, uh, sin eaters that's it sin, sin eaters. eaters there we go Sorry, yeah. my bad like the, the, the very first few minutes of uh shadowbringers where you see sin eaters tear apart some innocent travelers is uh uh really harrowing so so like uh orchestrating the events of the first i'm also going to throw out there uh orchestrating the events of the 13th by having that world completely swallow in darkness created all these void scent that you've been fighting over the course of ff14 uh and the and 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 the and the creation of the cloud of darkness that's not very cool and uh, and lastly, um, the events that sundered the original world by mm-hmm. summoning Zodiac and Hydaelyn, uh, which are uh, primals so powerful and uh, like that are they are basically opposing gods in their own right, completely annihilating this one true world into fourteen pieces. Is I'm, I'm basically I'm saying the events of the source, the events of the the first, the events of the 13th and the events of the old world are uh, among Emmett Selk's worst acts, even though I think uh, he did oppose in, in the council of Asians exactly everything that happened, not all of the, or at least he, he opposed some of the things that happened between Heidelin and Zodiac, even though now I think he's essentially a thrall of Zodiac. I mean, I think that he opposed the summoning of Heidelin um, because like Heidelin is, was the second one who was summoned. She actually comes after um, Zodiac. And I think that like the idea like of counterbalancing Zodiac, but that doesn't really work out the way they want it to. And it's interesting because we don't really know um, exactly how all that came to be specifically. We have like his legends, right? Um, And even says at some point, like I'm sure Heidelin has a different version of it. And I think we will hear that version in Endwalker. Yeah. There was some kind of schism between the Asians in the original world mm-hmm. and some of them sep- uh, summoned Zodiac, then their mm-hmm. opposition summoned Heidelin and the battle between Zodiac and Heidelin res- uh, resulted in Heidelin separating the worlds. Mm-hmm. But we don't, we, we don't know. We don't know all the details of that story. Mm-hmm. It's a tough one. I mean, because like from like a destruction perspective, right? Like it seems like, Oh, summoning Zodiac seems like the, the right answer. But I think that, given what we know about what was happening um, in Amarat and, you know, sort of in general, like why they would have made those decisions. We understand those things. Um, But it ultimately is what causes, you know, everything. Right. Um, But I think that that's, they saw that as the only option to save their people. So I don't, not sure that they they kill half of the ancients by summoning Zodiac, but that's certainly something significant. But man, I think that the the way that we see the impact of what um, happens on the first, um, and I agree, I think that's a really effective moment. It feels almost like the beginning of a of a realm reborn, uh, where you're meeting a character who looks exactly the same, except for the result is very different. Um, is really fascinating, and the way that we see those who are um, I'm not sure what the right term for it is, like those who are like in the thrall of the of the sin eaters. It's um, oh, it's it's hard to say. Like uh, the different thralls of the primals, each have their own uh, their own word for them. Like the, like thralls of of Ifrit mm-hmm. are called tempered, and thralls of uh, of Leviathan are called are called drowned. I think right. But it, and it's and 
learning about this story and realizing that the Asians are essentially thralls of Zodiac make, makes the player worry, oh, am I really my own agent here? Or at, is is my Echo, does that mean I'm just a thrall yeah. of Heidelin? Right. Like, and I think that's one of the interesting questions they ask. But I, I think that, I, I mean, like, because essentially it's not even really thrall because like these are people who are on their way to becoming Sin Eaters, right? Like it's one of the fears of people on the first. And I think just the way, especially early on in that uh, storyline with Alize, um, and I can't remember the character who becomes a Sin Eater, who becomes a boss um, in the first dungeon. But it's, I think that part, um, the way they sell the pain that these people are experiencing, to me makes it, and just like how like shattered the world is, makes it, I think, the most impactful thing that, uh, Emmett Salk does, even if it's not necessarily the worst thing. I mean, obviously the seventh Emerald Calamity is pretty bad too. I mean, like, there's all kinds of things, but um, that's, we see that. And for me, that makes it more impactful. Yeah. I, I'm honestly, I'm right there with you. Uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of the same answer. And it's like you said, it's not because it's, you know, the most evil thing, but it's because you see exactly how bad it is. And also it's, it's kind of a, a perversion of what you've been taught this entire game. The idea of, you know, light being pure and good and perfect, which you're used to not just from this game, but from every RPG ever made. And seeing what happens, you know, with that imbalance, seeing the pain of people. And, like, this this world, for a long time, feels the most hopeless out of any um, world you've been in and any of the expansions. Um, despite the fact that it is daytime, it is drowned in light, it is super saturated at all times. Um, it feels like it should be the beautiful, bright, shining glow. All of the environments are beautiful, but there's still this edge of oppression that's just marring every bit of that. All of that beauty um, comes with this idea of like, people are just being uh, drowned by, by this, you know, what should be natural and beautiful. Uh, that's, that feels so much more corrupting and evil uh, than, than a lot of other things, just making the thing that's supposed to save you um, actively harm you. And I mean, maybe this is boring of me, but I, I totally agree with both of you. Uh, the, the most powerful uh, act of Emmett Selk, or I should say of the Asians, that that feels like their worst um, action is the events of the first. But that's mostly because of how incredibly presented the story of Shadowbringers is. Uh, and everything that well, that Wes said, um, basically the, uh, the FF14 team having, a, having the time of their lives subverting the ideas of light and darkness <laughs> um, of not necessarily being the same as good and evil. And, and, and with, all, with all of these sort of the, the, the visual and design choices they make around that and, uh, right, and, and uh, basically navigating a post-apocalypse or a uh, country on the, or a, a world on the bink, brink of apocalypse but uh, done done through light and not darkness is such a cool, interesting choice that uh, you you really feel the suffering of the first in uh, uh, very powerfully throughout Shadowbringers in a way that maybe isn't quite as powerful or is maybe more told and not quite as shown in the uh, in in the events of the source and the stories we hear about the original world and about the the thirteenth, which which you know became the world of darkness. Uh, basically most of what led to Shadowbringers, I think is the, is my choice for the most awful thing that Emmett Selk commits. Uh, but I think we're ready to move on to the next category. If there's no objection, uh, the next one we've already gone over a little bit is called maybe they had a point. Is there any justification for Emmett Selk's, uh, actions and deeds in final fantasy 14? We've already gone into this a lot. 
in Emmett Selk's mind, everything is 100% justified for the greater good of restoring the world. And the more you learn about him and the more you learn about that old world, I think the player understands Emmett Selk better and better, especially when you get into like the last, say, two dungeons and raid encounters of, uh, of Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um... And I don't think we're ever given a name for the people of that, you know, unshattered world. But I, I think that um, the ancients or the Asians or whatever you want to call them, um, you see them as a people who are just significantly more advanced than humans are in the real world or in 14 or whatever. Um, and how remarkable they are as individuals and as beings, um, like their ability to create things at will, uh, the way that they handle conflict um, by, you know, talking about it, <laughs> as opposed to the way we see conflict working in uh, the world at large um, in, in 14 in general. And I think that his desire to restore that is... Totally reasonable, um, especially given that he's talking about people that he loves. It's not just about principle, it's about the people, right? But I also, and I think it goes back to the point I made earlier, like, he's one of the one of the people who has created this level of conflict. And so, like, what happens when that's gone is going to be interesting. And I also think, like, looking at Fandaniel, which I, I don't think you've met yet, Salusi, but uh, I'm guessing, Wes, you have, um, as uh, an unsundered Asian who wants just pure destruction um, and sort of looking at that in contrast as well, like it allows you to see again, like of all the Asians we know, Emmett Selk is the one who has the purest intentions um, and also has the best intentions. And I think that certainly he has a point, um, but I think that one of the things the game will be resolving at Endwalker, I imagine is, and unless they go in like a really different direction is like, okay, maybe his point wasn't really right. Um, and, and I think that they've struggled to do that, but I think that's really, it's what makes him so compelling. If, if not resolving, at least escalating and introducing new elements in, because I don't, I don't think Final Fantasy XIV is going to end with Endwalker. <laughs> yeah, but there's a, there are plenty of doors they could close and new ones they could open. And that's that's what's so interesting about him itself, is because his uh, villainy and how justified he is is a matter of perspective. Because from an outsider's perspective, yeah, of course, like killing that many people, destroying that many lives is not justifiable. But from his, you know, you, you see this, this life of eternity um, where the only people that, that he considered true people and, you know, through some amount of reason, you know, rational thought. Um, yeah. You can see his point um, from his perspective, even if it's not <laughs> really tenable out, you know, if, if you take one step removed from it, um, which is a really fascinating path to take. I love games with villains where, um, you completely see their point. You can't really talk them down from it. There's no reasonable argument that would make them unsee what they see, but you still have to fight them because what they are doing is completely opposed to your sense of worth or your um, survival or or your sense of right and wrong. I, I love that idea of that. Just sorry, these these two um, ideas are opposed, and they're going to have to come into conflict. Yeah, it's you're both absolutely right. Um, there's there is just justification for Emmett Selk's a actions, especially to him and his people. But from a more from a player perspective, and definitely from a in-game character perspective, uh, what Emmett Selk is doing is uh, you know is is genocide and worse. So 
uh, like maybe they had a point definitely to some people, but not to most people, I think is the answer here. Uh, but, but the next question is the called the Jason Statham problem or the Magus problem. Could Emmett Selk have joined the hero's party if circumstances or plot events were a, a little bit different? And I think this answer is, uh, maybe we'll disagree on this. This answer maybe is an unequivocal yes. Uh, Emmett Selk. No, I, he, he actually does. <laughs> well, he does during a trial fight in five point three. He absolutely does. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, yes and no. Uh, I think that uh, Emmett Selk wants the hero to be on his side very, very d- desperately because uh, because the Warrior of Light and Ardbird and, and like that fragment fragmented soul is his uh, is his dear friend. So of course he wants the support of that person. But uh, the, the, the issue is ideology, ideology is not aligning properly. Um, I don't know the exact events of 5.3, although I do, I do know the, uh, um, the, 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 uh, the trial battle at the end of it. Uh, I, I, I think if there was a compromise or a solution that allowed uh, the Warrior of Light to save the first and, and take a step towards recreating the world or, or, or reuniting the world of the Asians. Then Emmett Selk would practically join the Science of the Seventh Dawn. It would be a hundred percent with them. But because there, it, it didn't seem like there was a way for those two paths to to converge, um, they, they 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 couldn't work together in the end. And and you end up you know fighting Emmett Selk as the final boss of Shadowbringers. But am, am I? Uh, but I don't know five point three totally. So am I a little off base here? No, um, you're on base. I mean, I think that. Um... That line that Emmett Selk says, it's, you know, very famous, like, you know, remember, remember us or whatever, um, it, it is significant to his acceptance of the fact that the time of the Asians is over. Um, and I think that that moment gets to that. But then, and, and I and I'm, I apologize, this is a 5.3 spoiler, but I think it's significant to the question, um, is halfway through the fight against the warrior of light, the trial battle, um, there, like, uh, a basically, you know, beats you. Um, and Emmett Selk comes through and frees you, um, as sort of in, in his original form. Um, and the reason, you know, is because of the way he waves when he walks away. Um, and so like the spirit of Emmett Selk still being there in that moment. And, it, and it, it's only at that point that you understand the warrior of light is a, is a piece of Asm. Um, and I think that allows you to maybe understand some of it. And I think that that joining of those two gives him that perspective of understanding that maybe his way forward wasn't the, the way forward. Um, and maybe that there is a different way forward to sort of a form of joining. I don't know if that's what he's going for, but I also think over the course of Shadowbringers, he's testing you a little bit um, and you fail the test that he has um, which is that he wants to see your worthiness and, and he's going into it with the bias that he's looking for you to fail and you do, um, at least in his eyes, of course. And so I think that there are some circumstances under which during the course of 5.0, he could have, but he doesn't because you fail his test. But then I think ultimately he does join your side, um, in as much as he can, um, as a spirit, um, in 5.3. Um, and the, motivations for it are things that we can only speculate about, but I think that it's reasonable to think that he has changed maybe his vision for the way forward. All right. I, I haven't experienced that yet for myself, but I'm excited I'm because I, because, no, no, <laughs> it's a great I, fight. <laughs> no, no, it, it, it's fine. I mean, I mean, you, you know, uh, uh, 
listeners and and RPG fan know this about me. I do not care about spoilers about as much as anyone can not care about spoilers. <laughs> so, um, but uh, but Wes, um, I think you have played through five point three. Uh, do you think Emmett Selk has truly joined the Heroes Party going forward? I, I think he's essentially exited stage left as much as he can at this point, mm-hmm. but exited on relatively good terms on, on, you know, this is, uh, <laughs> my way forward didn't work. Uh, I don't really have much left, Might as well, you know, try for what's left. Uh, you know, what, whatever options are, are available. It's an interesting emotional reaction from Emmett Selk seeing, um, the warrior of light become more and more like their, their friend or, or lover or whatever this is. Um, because it's this combination of rage and hope, I think, for, for Emmett Selk. Um, and I think that kind of informs the attitude going forward. I, I think that there is a world in which, you know, Emmett Selk is a friend, but um, I, I don't think, you know, the, the timing of events led to it kind of tragically being off the table, um, at least to some degree. It, it looks like that Emmett Selk... Uh, his story is probably over in Final Fantasy XIV, but he he might have allied with the Warrior of Light more permanently if circumstances were a little different. And in the end, sort of is on your side, at, at least a little bit. Uh, again, I, I don't know everything that happens after 5.2, but uh, I'm glad that Emmett Selk isn't totally gone after after 5.0. That because again, I I would like I want as much Emmett Selk as they can give me. But uh, the next category is called bonus bonus footage, uh, you know, like how you know a DVD or Blu-ray of a film might contain deleted scenes or extra scenes uh, in a sort of director's cut. Is there a moment or sequence in Emmett Selk's story that we know happens but do not see and wish that we could see? Uh, I'll, I'll give my answer first, and then uh, we can we can go with with, with what you guys have. But um, one part of the FF14 story that I really really love is the warring triad set of, uh, of, of tr- uh, trial series in Heaven's Word. And we know that uh, the, the person who is sort of the quest giver for that story is Unukahai, who was a warrior of light, maybe part of the warrior of light's soul, or, or maybe just someone else or someone related to them uh, in the 13th, the, the world that uh, becomes the world of darkness. And an Asian is manipulating Unukahai to uh to maybe tr- start a new connect calamity or may- maybe kill the warrior of light through these uh these warring triad primals but i i, I want to see exactly uh, what what his role was in the fall of the 13th which i think is usually called a, a failure of of la habrea right like like yes yeah, basically yeah, the, the the entire thing that happens with the 13th is viewed as a failure in general yes he's used as a failure by the asians it it didn't they didn't really completely destroy the world in the right way to have it reunite with uh, uh with the other worlds it's it sort of just become became taken over by darkness and void scent i want to see exactly how that went like 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 uh what their plan was how it went wrong and emmett selk arguing with laha brea and and elitibus about how it's going wrong because that that's uh the, the aftermath of the 13th which is the cloud of darkness and the void scent and Unukohai, I, I, I would, I'm probably saying his name wrong. I apologize. It's, 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 it's one of the odder names in FF14's, uh, you know, fantasy nomenclature. Um, I, I would like to see more about that, especially Emmett Selk's role in it, especially since it was an Asian plan that sort of went badly for everyone. 
I think it's a good one. Um, I think that um, just like the whole, all the stuff that happens with the 13th, I think is really fascinating. Um, and, and it gets back to that thing Wes was talking about earlier, the way that they like laid the seeds for that um, back in the, the Heaven's Ward postgame. <laughs> um, and, I, and I can imagine like as a person who was playing it when it was current, that would be really cool, right? Like it's four years and then like, like, like you have all this time <laughs> before you discover like the way that they're bringing it together. Um, it's not. I it's not even that... the Heaven's Ward post game. It was the uh, Realm Reborn post game. They uh, like uh, uh, because because that's when the the Cloud of Darkness and World of Darkness stuff is. But you don't learn about mm-hmm. the Thirteenth and the and the the shards and Unoklahai until the Heaven's right. post game. So it's the, the point is that we we all three of us have made this point. The level of foreshadowing and planning into the Final Fantasy fourteen world is staggering. Yeah, I want to see their lore book and how thick it is. <laughs> like, I want to know what that looks like. I'm imagining hundreds of Google Docs in Japanese that <laughs> yeah. uh, that 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 go that go incredibly deep. Um, so Wes, is there a scene of bonus footage with Emmett Selk that you uh, that you wish we got but didn't? Well, I <laughs> like first and foremost, I agree with you too. I'm a sucker for. Um, any kind of alternative worlds and, and, you know, fractured reality kind of stuff. So seeing more of what happened in the 13th or really any of the other shards would be absolutely exciting to me and to see how, how he deals with this, but failing that for the sake of, of interest, um, anything more essentially from the world before, like I want to see the normal life of Amarat and like that entire unified world um, and how, you know, people like Emmett Selk fit into it back when, you know, before he had lost everything, before he he was, you know, grief first and foremost, um, that would be what I'd be most interested in seeing, which might be kind of boring in some ways to just see the normal life. But I'm, I'm fascinated to see what he lost a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the Amarat that we do see, the, the ruins at the bottom of the ocean, and then that one dungeon that's recreating uh, the, the day of the cataclysm in Amarat. Yeah. Again, in Amarat was the Asian big metropolis in the original world was basically just a recreation made by Emmett Selk out of grief. So seeing the true Amarat would be something special. Absolutely. It's it's fascinating, you know, the fact that everyone in there looks kind of the same and you're you're getting impressions of how everything worked back then. It'd be really cool to see, you know, see it fully realized. Yeah, but but also Emmett Selk is so powerful and his sh- and his recreation is so thorough that some of the shadowy Asians even realize that uh, that they are shadows and that you are the true being and and start musing on what on exactly what happened and what the, and what that means, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is what makes that section so fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you run into some a, a particularly scholarly uh, at like um, ghost of an Asian that that realizes that. Which, which was which was a moment. I mean, like Shadowbringers is full of capital M moments, but that was a, a really mm-hmm. interesting small one. You know, I, I agree with everything. I would love to see like moments of Emmett Selk with um, Zom and, you know, just who Emmett Selk was. But, you know, one of the things I'm most fascinated about is like, I don't know, Emmett Selk is a dad. <laughs> um, like what, yeah. what, what was he like um, as emperor and as like father and, and grandfather to, uh, you know, I mean, he's the, technically Zenos's grandfather, right? Um, so great, I think either grandfather or great grandfather, yes. Yeah. Um, so I think that those would be like really interesting to see into like those dynamics because you get like a like actually your introduction to them itself is kind of um, like a moment between the three of them, right? Um, but um, I, I think that 
seeing like just sort of how like he goes about his day to day um is to me the part that i would really love to see a little bit more of um just because like i don't know how does how do those interactions work how do you tell someone the whole point of this empire is to destroy this world and like how do people get behind that and what do those conversations look like and how do you raise someone that you're raising for the purpose of destruction i don't know that sounds interesting to me Total agreement. There are so many different uh, corners to Emmett Silk's schemes that we have seen and haven't seen that uh, more information on any of it would be just devoured completely by the FF14 fan base. And, and Wes was alluding to this. We know that there are 14 versions of the FF14 world in ver- that are in various stages of civilization or, or, and, and, uh, or, or thriving or collapse that um, <laughs> Yoshi P and uh, and his friends have basically written their way into making as many alternate dimension expansions as they want, or or at least up to around ten, <laughs> right? Like, oh, this this next expansion in twenty twenty five is going to take place on the seventh. What's going on on the seventh? Let's find out. Like, it's a. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying that's good or bad or anything, but uh, like they could do that, and the fan base would mostly accept it, right? I think one of the things that's fascinating is that I genuinely, I mean, because by the end of 6.0, this is supposed to all be wrapped up, and I genuinely don't know where they're going to go. Um, maybe something with the 12, um, but I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like yet. My, my dream scenario is uh, like the final, final uh, act of FF14 being um, Zodiacs defeated, the Asians are defeated, the world is at peace, but uh, Heidelin is, is imposing too much too much restriction and like the final raid of the game is fighting all of the 12 and then heidelin <laughs> i mean the alliance raid series is about the 12 um so and Ooh. heidelin we're 99 sure is like a character who exists in the world at this point so i think that those things might happen in and walker <laughs> is my point oh, I, so. I, want, I want a raid series where we defeat all the 12 i would i would love that even though even though i am technically an enthusiastic worship of a of azima of the the, the god the sun goddess i i would love to fight her in in a, in a battle yeah, yeah. I, i'm curious to see where they go with that i am too but anyway uh, let, let's move on to the next category this is this category is called regrets who besides emmett silk has the most regrets within the plot of final fantasy 14 Shadowbringers and the uh, works of the Asians. Now, Emmett Selk has so many regrets that it is it, it is crazy. So we're looking at characters other than Emmett Selk that have deep regrets about everything that's that's happened. Um, I, I'm going to go with uh, the character who is maybe my favorite character in the whole Shadowbringers segment of the story, and that's Ardbert. Um, Ar- Ardbert is the warrior of light in the first, and uh, him and his and his uh, party of five, including him. Um, were the ones that 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 defeated the forces of darkness centuries before the uh, the storyline of Shadowbringers, but in doing so, created an, an imbalance of the element of light so much that it created the flood of light, just as as Emmett Selk and the other Asians planned. So, so much of FF14 is Ardbert navigating his regrets, and he, he's sort of wandering the world as a specter who only the Warrior of Light can see. And 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 you see uh, the warrior of light defeat his former companions, and uh, and and meet his uh, his former steed Seto, who is one of the the great tragic characters of FF14, <laughs> and uh, and and basically just like see Ardbert relive so many of his regrets before finally helping the warrior of light um, 
overcome the uh, the the sort of light surging with the light warden surging within them or and unify his soul to the, that of the warrior of light and just ardbert is so full of regret and i love him so much that i i had to you know give him 45 seconds in this episode i mean ardbert's an excellent choice and uh, you can see like ardbert wears his regret um and the way that he interacts with you and the way that he talks to you and that makes him such a compelling character um especially after you know your introduction to ardbert being in you know the heavensward post game and how how his personality and how his perspective has become larger i think makes him a, a fascinatingly tragic character um so i think that's an excellent answer and i think you can even expand that some to the rest of the warriors of light through the the role quests that you get how you're constantly chasing these mm-hmm. specters of the the first warriors of light and seeing some of their worst moments and seeing kind of their downfall and how how they deal with the fact that they they failed their world while trying to be you know their their greatest champions that's like that entire story is absolutely heartbreaking to see because it's you know there but for a twist of fate goes i kind of thing mm-hmm. and i love has anybody done the uh healer role, role quest yet I, I did all of the role quests oh. and even leveled up black mage and white mage to 80 just so i could do them <laughs> because I, I had i had only uh when i started Shadowbringers, i only had uh melee dps and tank at 70 so oh, yeah, yeah I, got, I, I still got to do my black mage for that, but uh, I thought the healer one is um, <laughs> and, like that. It's like so fun and delightful, um, but also I think that's the most tragic one too. Um, just seeing um, the way that all works out too. Wes, have you done all of the roll quests? Not yet. I did magic DPS. I'm in process on uh, on healer actually. Um, mm. I'm I'm not good with alts, but I'm working on it right now. Well, these I'm 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 actually crazy about alts. I've spent an incredible amount of time in FF14 leveling up alts. I have every combat job other than blue mage at at least sixty. Because again, I'm I'm a crazy person, and leveling up jobs is just how I play RPGs. But um, when you do all the roll quests, you unlock a final roll quest that sort of introduces you to the sixth member of the Warriors of Light. I'm, I'm I'm speaking. I'm avoiding spoilers, but I'm but I'm not really lying to you. That that's kind of how those role quests resolve, and it's really really fun. Well, I'm really uh, I really enjoy playing Black Mage, but uh, that is the number one reason why I'm considering getting it to eighty now because <laughs> I want to see that. <laughs> I uh, I already had White Mage partially leveled up, so that that was an easy choice for me. But uh, I I am not a Magic DPS guy, so it was a. It, it was a like me sweating profusely. It's like, oh damn it! Do I level up Summoner, Black Mage, or Red Mage? Which one will be the least painful? And I ended up land. I ended up choosing Black Mage, and I like Black Mage well enough that I I don't hate myself for having done so. But it, it it's a cool resolution to uh-huh. the Shadowbringers role quests doing the, doing that. It, it's uh, it's not really related to M itself, but I uh, I wholeheartedly recommend it. But again, I'm also a crazy person who loves job grinding about as much as anyone possibly can. I mean, I've uh, I'm I, I'm one of RPG fans, resident Bravely fanboys, um, and that's, that's not an accident. <laughs> but anyway, back to Emmett Selk. Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of regret with the, these characters. Uh, maybe maybe not. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not that that Jabba the Hutt uh, fellow that that's that runs. Um, that, that Vothry. Runs one, yeah, Vothry. I, I knew I knew he isn't called Innocence, but I was for some reason <laughs> only Innocence was popping in my brain trying to remember his name. Like like maybe not Vothry. Uh, but the, there's a lot of people with regrets in the world of Shadowbringers, and um, it, w- which you know I think enhances the melodrama and tragedy or, or tragic parts of the Shadowbringers storyline, and only makes me like it more. Like, uh, I mean, who who isn't rooting for 
the the cat couple in in that in that city finally sort of <laughs> re- realizing the error of their city's ways. In Yulmore, yeah, 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 Yulmore. I can remember that one either. I'm just terrible with names today. Uh, I, I I just played this game a lot recently. That's all. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I I think the last time I played it was was May or June of 2020. That's what, which is which is a me problem and not a and not a podcast problem. But yeah, there's a lot of regrets in Shadowbringers and. I mean, I love that there's now new game plus features so I can cry all, all the time again. <laughs> and I think that's one of the benefits of the format of being in an MMO is like normally in a story like this, you'd see those people have their regrets and like end of story, they're resolved. They have regrets. They will go fix it. But no, you actually get to see the process of dealing with those 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 problems and dealing with coming to terms a lot longer uh, over a lot longer period of time, which is really fun to watch. Fun might not be the right word, but, you know, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> we're limiting ourselves to the events surrounding Shadowbringers and Emmett Silk. Like if we went into who has regrets over in, in, in heaven's word, then, then I mean, Holy moly, that's another two podcasts. All right. But uh, moving on from regrets, uh, our last question in the, in these category rounds is Emmett Silk the main villain of Shadowbringers or is, uh, or is there another true villain at hand? Uh, And I think, this is an unequivocal yes. Emmett Selk is not the person you are always fighting. Like he's not always the present villain that you're working against in the events of Shadowbringers, but Shadowbringers is essentially trying to save this world under huge threat that was caused by Emmett Selk and his allies. And you end up having to confront Emmett Selk over the entire uh, motivations of the Asians. It, it, it it's it's all it all comes down to Emmett Selk at the end. So I, I I don't think there is a great choice for who's the main villain of the game other than Emmett Selk. Uh, but I also I haven't played five point three. So is yeah. that is that personification that you fight in in five point three a better choice than Emmett Selk? I I mean the thing that I like about five point three um, is that it almost feels in some ways self contained. Like you get to know Elizabeth, who's yeah. like someone who's like sort of been around. Um, but you get to know a little bit very well during 5.3. Um, and you learn a lot about their motivations or lack thereof um, <laughs> in, in some ways. Um, but no, I, I think in terms of Shadowbringers, um, you would have to say that it is uh, Emmett Selk. I mean, it, it, by the time we get to 5.4 and 5.5, we're looking at like Xenos and Fan Daniel. Um, but really, it I, I think that Emmett Selk is the first thing people talk about when they talk about Shadowbringers. Emmett Selk drives uh, what happens in Shadowbringers. Emmett Selk drives you towards the answers. Um, and sure, like Emmett Selk isn't a traditional villain in a lot of ways and does a particular kind of villain particularly well. But nonetheless, I think Emmett Selk is clearly the villain. Yeah, I agree. Um and and it it is wonderful. Again, I I love the format of uh, MMO stories can kind of stretch on a little bit longer, so you can weave in these characters that you've gotten to know as villains for a long time. But um, they also do a really good job of Shadowbringers feeling like a fully contained entry in the series. Um, and, and as a result, yeah, it's definitely Emmett Selk pulling the strings throughout the whole thing, um, even when you're not directly at odds with him, even when he's you know traveling with you and being amicable and friendly um you know that this is where everything's heading and and then sort of piggybacking on that uh final fantasy 14 and its expansions and patch content are episodic in nature but because the planning is so good um that they're able to foreshadow 
uh, things way in advance and build upon ideas and stories in advance and after they seem to be resolved in ways that just sort of enhances every part of the story. So Shadowbringers is the Emmett Selk game. It's the Emmett, it's the Emmett Selk expansion. It, it does a pretty good job of expanding the world of Final Fantasy XIV while focusing on the life and times and motivations of this one very particular villain um, in, in so much that I think he's really the only good answer to who's the main villain of, of Shadowbringers, or, or let's say the best answer. But b- because of the nature of MMO story structure and and the, and how FF14 works, like um, Emmett Selk is not completely over after the events of Shadowbringers. And the, like there will be more villains and more episodes, but like Emmett Selk's impact will still be felt uh, for as long as FF14 goes. Which and, and we, we don't have a definitive date, do, do we, Zach? On what? On, on on like what? When's the last FF14 expansion going to be? I think I think they they said that they're they're still writing it. I mean, do you mean like in terms of like when they're going to be done with the game entirely? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think that they said they have a plan for at least ten more years at this yeah, point. Yeah, right. Okay, I, I I thought it was something like that, but I uh, but I I I'm not as up to date on FF14 as I should be probably, but. Shadowbringers is the Emmett Selk game, and it's one of the best Final Fantasy games of all time. Full stop. Is is my is is my somewhat uh, uh, somewhat hyperbolic, but but genuine feeling on the on the. Matter. I think most people agree with you on that. <laughs> I don't think that's a controversial opinion. And I mean, it is sort of standing on the shoulders of giants because you you really can't you aren't you really can't play Shadowbringers without many many hours of investment into into previous FF14. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, level skip notwithstanding. But but if if you're invested in the FF14 journey, then uh, Shadowbringers and Emmett Selk are one of the most amazing parts of that journey. I agree, one hundred percent. So, all right, uh, that's been our time with Emmett Selk and this episode of RPG Villains. I believe this is our fifth RPG Villains episode. Um, we've done ones on Kefka from Final Fantasy VI, Luca Blight from Suikoden Two. Um, we, we did Sorrow from Dragon Quest Four, but there's another one in the Morky. middle. That yeah, that's and it. also Por- the uh, Persona Four villain. That's right, the killer from Persona Four, 4 and Porky Minch from uh, Earthbound and Mother Three. So this is the sixth one that we've done. I, I again, integers not the best, not my strongest part of algebra class. But uh, if you want, have an idea for what our seventh RPG villains episode should be, there's uh, plenty of ways to reach out to us. The best way is to email. Uh, retro at rpgfan.com you can also uh, visit rpg fans uh, message boards facebook page instagram twitter discord youtube twitch something streaming every day lots of ways to interact with rpg fan and leave feedback we love feedback but uh before we go into the rest of housekeeping i sort of skipped ahead a little bit um I, thank you zach and wes for taking the time out of your day to talk about emmett selk and ff14 with me um this is great because i love talking about video games with both of you and the rest of uh our retro encounter regulars, but also terrible because this is nudging me ever closer to resubscribing to Final <laughs> Fantasy fourteen, which come and, join us. And, We've and, done and our dark work. You know, there are there are very good and very bad things to that nudging because, <laughs> like, talk about someone who's you know bad at time management. I I can when I dive into FF fourteen, it oh boy, I, I turn into a goblin and some and somehow I'll like I'll I'll advance through the story faster than Liz or Mike. Um, 
but but like FF14 is incredible, Shadowbringers is incredible, and uh, Zach and Wes, you are both incredible for uh, for appearing on this podcast with me. But listeners, awesome. also thank you for um for joining us on this Final Fantasy 14 journey, the fifth episode focused on FF14 of Retro Encounter in 2021. But what's coming up next in Retro Encounter? Uh, next week, we are doing an episode on Imposter Factory, the fourth game in the, uh, what would we call it? Like trilogy, trilogy and a half game. Um, I mean, I think there's indication that it's going to go past a trilogy. So we'll see. Oh, all right. Okay. Let's let's say the fourth game uh, made by um, indie RPG developer Kan Gao, uh, following uh, like that originated with To the Moon and is most recently... Uh, not culminated, but continued with Imposter Factory. Imposter Factory released in, oh shoot, I think in September or October. September, I think, yeah. Yeah, so late September uh, of this year. So I, it is in my library, ready to go. I am going to start playing that probably within an hour after we finish recording this podcast. And then I'll, uh, and then Zach, you and I will have a, a probably very positively toned discussion on it uh, next week. At least from my perspective. <laughs> I am excited because I uh, I really like all three of those preceding games and uh, the, the previous one, um, Finding Paradise might might have been my favorite so far. So we'll see how uh, Imposter Factory stacks stacks up, and we will talk about it next week on the podcast. But the following two weeks after that are going to be two episodes on Final Fantasy V, one of my favorite uh, Final Fantasy games. Not no, no joke. If I had to rank the whole series right now it would probably be in my top six at, at, at least I would have to, or at least it would be a, a strong consideration. I love that job system. I think the map design is super good. I, and, and the story and characters, I won't say they're as good as, you know, the best stories in final fantasy history, but they get, get the job done for me playing around with that dope job system. So um, I don't think I'm going to be on those, the, those episodes because I have a lot of tales of Arise and Shin Megami Tensei five to play in the next couple of weeks to be able to talk about them for game of the year stuff. But uh, I'm really eager to hear what that panel uh, is going to discuss in those episodes because it's uh, there, there's a lot of RPG fan people excited to talk about at Final Fantasy V. Um, but speaking of, uh, of end of the year, game of the year stuff, we are going to do a year end episode like we do every year. It will be the last episode of 2021. Um, so, so I should probably start planning it very soon, but um, we will get to that by the end of the year. Uh, but it, let's see end of the year is coming soon so that means january 2022 is also coming soon um i don't know what every episode in january is going to be yet but it's definitely going to have two episodes on skies of arcadia that dream class classic dream class dreamcast classic <laughs> that was later ported to gamecube and is one of the best rpgs of that time and place we have a skies of arcadia mega fan an rpg fan named alana Hagues who's going to be hosting those episodes and i cannot wait to get into that discussion because skies of arcadia is awesome and alana is the perfect person to lead that discussion uh what's and zach I, um I think you signed up for those. Am I going to hear oh. your? Am I going to hear your thoughts on Skies of Arcadia in about a month or so? Oh, I'll be on it. I think Alana might have some words for me if I wasn't, so I'll be there. <laughs> uh, Wes, have you already played Skies of Arcadia, or is this going to be your first go at it? Oh, this is going to be like number five or six, but awesome. I couldn't resist. All right, this is great. Go be, I think. I think. Me. 
I think the panel is going to be half veterans and half newcomers, which is basically my favorite balance you can possibly get. That is awesome. I'm so excited to hear uh, some discussion on Final Fantasy V this month and Skies of Arcadia next month. I, I, I am genuinely excited as just a fan of listening to podcasts about video games. But if you're a, pod- a fan, <laughs> if you're a fan of podcasts about video games, uh, I already told you how you can reach out to us at retro at RPGfan.com. But RPG Fan has f- three other fine podcasts that you can listen to and respond to starting with Random Encounter, uh, released every two weeks about randomness, Rhythm Encounter, also every two weeks about RPG music, and Phoenix Edge, which uh, releases sporadically but is usually recorded live on YouTube and is about a variety of topics, mostly focused on current events. Uh, You can find all three of those podcasts and Retro Encounter on RPGFan.com's main website or all of those other places you can find RPG Fan that I mentioned earlier. You can review all four RPG Fan podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever your preferred listening venue is. I use a app called PodCruncher that I enjoy very much that I think draws from the Apple Podcasts library. But there's a lot of ways to leave feedback. Please leave feedback. But if you want to leave feedback to us as individuals and not as a podcast, let's tell the listener how they can reach us, the panel, starting with you, Zach. Uh, you could reach me via email at ZachW at RPGFan.com, or you can find me on Discord at ZachW. Now, Wes. Your best bet is on Twitter at Wes Iliff. You can find everything from there. And for me, the best bets are Twitter and Discord. Let's start with Twitter. Most of the time, I am at The Real Monsoon. Other times, I am at Evoker for Dogs. And on uh, RPG Fans Discord, I am Monsoon Mike. But, all right. We have our own villainous machinations to take care of in our daily lives, including writing a bunch of Game of the Year features throughout December, which I which can get pretty busy. Indeed. I have the skeleton of a top nine or ten that I, <laughs> that, I that I definitely need to start writing on soon. I don't want to tease anything, but at least three games I've podcasted with you about Zach are going to be on that list. All right. Sounds good. But listeners, uh... Thank you. Good night and good luck.